How's it going? Hey, Tristan, how are you? I'm great. Who's how on your you, couch? Uh, it's Kelly Cry. Kelly Cry's here, everybody. This is, yes, this is true. I am sitting on Tristan's couch. You look great on that couch. You do. Well, I think you'd look great anywhere. He's a very handsome man. This is the most tattoos that couch has ever seen. It is. Do you, you have a horrible tattoo, don't you? No, I have no tattoos. You look like the kind of guy that would have a like a like some kind of uh, like sun like a sunburst like like a like, like a tram stamp like yeah where guys can nail me like a poor decision from from college okay no I'm no. I'm actually very picky I'm an art I like started off in art so oh should I remind everybody we're at the comics table oh yeah we're at the comics that's, that's table the name of our podcast this, yeah yeah oh, okay it's the comics yeah. table Kelly well, Kelly so I you're feel, a comedian I feel honored can well we... he's either comedian or we just we pulled a homeless guy out of the street he doesn't know <laughs> we basically offered him a free meal and he I'm in yeah. yeah. Doesn't take much to get me to show up. Yeah, man. No, uh, but you're a comedian, and we're comedians. And this this podcast, it's sort of revolutionary. It's uh, comics hanging out and talking about comedy. It's never been oh, done before, guys. Never. What? Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Yeah, this is the first time this has ever been done in the history of mankind. Yep. Comics table. This right. is fucking crazy. I know. Have you told people about this? No, well, we yet. don't want to. We don't. Want, we got to keep it secret. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, so I can't go out and start spreading the word about no. this. Then, then people might listen to it. You know, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, be, yeah. So fun. I'm kind of at the comics table that's like Area 51. Yeah. Yeah. There's Either aliens. that or just like a diner, you know, at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Same difference. Same. Okay. Uh, I'm distracted by the paint on your arm there, Kelly. Is that paint or glue? What's going on? Are you doing arts and crafts? Yeah, I was painting a girl's apartment. Oh, that's, 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 that's definitely led banging. to sex. Yeah, yeah. Definitely led to sex. Painting How did she pay? We, we haven't had sex yet, but we will. Yeah. It became very clear today that. We are going Were you to. painting shirtless? No, I felt like that was too far, but I wanted pantless? to. Did you have a but bandana But I'm not that on? guy. Wait, hold on. I just want people that are listening to this to know that like, I'm no not. No one's listening, so it's fine. Okay. But yeah, you but can I'm let them know anyway. I don't want people to get the impression that I'm like that beefy guy that's going to show up at your door and be the pool guy. With, I wouldn't like, call you beefy. Shirt. You're very fit, but not beefy. Yeah, I'm not beefy. And I'm, I don't have that personality where I'm no, like, No, but the pool guy's not a beefy guy. He's exactly like you. He's got the long hair and like probably got some abs probably going, I imagine, right? And, uh, uh, you know, and then he's just cleaning the pool with his dick. Yeah. Because it's so long. Skimming just, it. He just skims the pool. Dick skimming. Dick, dick skimming. So, dick skimming Kelly. That's that, what they called yeah. him in high school. <laughs> you guys know. You have a dick skimming mustache right now. I, I can't this see your bad. beard. I bad. only see the mustache over the mic. This is bad. The, this but, is like 70s Kelly. Yeah. This is living in a van, Kelly. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't been able to shave lately because I haven't. We're going to definitely talk about that. We we'll wanna, get to that. Yeah, but I want to get, I, I don't want to lose the point on like that I'm not the guy that's going to walk in <laughs> and be that guy. Yeah. You I, know what I mean? Uh, but, the, but talking about the dick skimming, like, yeah, I didn't have to buy an extension to paint the walls. I just. Use your dick. Kelly, yeah, yeah, Kelly is completely the, nude right now, just so yeah. everybody knows. It's hot. Duct yeah. tape. Guys, it's hot. Duct tape a nine-inch roller to your nine-foot penis, mm. and then I can paint your. Body. Just hump the wall. It's a very, it's, I'm not. He's not a good painter, but he paints with his dick. If you imagine, <laughs> can you imagine having uh, like such a huge dick? How miserable your life would be. Oh, uh, horrible. It'd be horrible. I'd get the surgery. <laughs> yeah, you would. Because then, it would be called the bobbit. You know, like the bobbit yeah, surgery. Yeah, yeah. And then you could hang it on your wall like a samurai sword. Oh God! You ever see a skin? <laughs> Do you guys watch uh, Naked and Afraid? On the Discovery Channel? No, uh, I don't own a have television. Seen somebody... That's surprising. Wow. So many fun facts about him. Yeah, well, we're uh, going to learn them all today. The snakes, when you cook a snake, you got to peel the skin off. You ever see somebody clean a snake? No. They, you chop its head like off. Like live? 
Well, no, you chop its head off, kill it, yeah. and then uh, you peel the the scales off. It's disgusting to see it the way it peels down. You know when you open a Slim Jim wrong and it's like you're rolling it down as opposed to just like... Anyway. Did you learn this back when you were drug running in Bangkok? <laughs> no, I learned this on the Discovery Channel. Anyway, I'm, that's what I'm picturing about a nine-inch penis. If you get the bobbit surgery, they just fucking tear just off skin the that skin. And then, yeah. I'm amazed at the fact that you've perfected a way to open up... A Slim Jim? Yeah. Well, you snap into a Slim Jim. You don't peel into a Slim Jim. I didn't know. Just well, they've, they've been telling you like over and over in their goddamn commercials. Well, he doesn't have, a, don't TV, have a TV, so the marketers didn't get to him. That's part of the reason that I don't own that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think so. So, Kelly, still ha- you still have a fully functioning frontal lobe then? Yeah. <laughs> the rest know. of us. I don't know about yeah. that. Eating away. There, there's what, Your frontal lobe, does the drugs and alcohol affect your frontal lobe? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I'm probably. fucked up, and I've watched too much TV in my life. <laughs> Let's do this game. Let's do this game with Kelly. What is this tagline? What what brand is this for? Oh, Jesus I won't Christ. say one word that will spoil it. Uh, America runs on. Oh, I, I hold on. I felt like I was going to come across as like a real dar on, on this game just mm-hmm. initially when you said it, but America runs on Duncan. Okay, and, so you got that right. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. But and, but there's also ads all around, like like yeah, like paper ads, like you can't avoid. Right. But, and there's a reason. Yeah, the real reason behind that knowing that one is because uh, what's his name that does it? What was his name who did the tagline? He was on Roseanne. What the fuck is his name? Tom Arnold? Oh, uh, the big dude. Oh, John Goodman. John Goodman was the guy who did the voiceover for it, right? For Dunkin' Donuts? Yeah. Really? America no, runs know on Dunkin'. So me and my buddy, we would always just say that because we thought it was really funny and goofy. That's interesting as a Canadian that you would make that joke as a kid. No, uh, no as a kid. It was recent. Oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, Tim Hortons is the Tim thing. Tim Hortons. I've been to Tim Hortons. You up have? In Rochester, New oh, York. Oh, yeah. I've been to Tim Hortons. You guys. Oh, yeah. A little Canadian culture in both of you. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I, had a, I had a good old time up in, uh, uh, whatchamacallit? Montreal. Uh, Montreal. I guess that's what they call uh, just it. Just for Laughs. Did you go to it? Just Montreal? for Laughs? Yeah. Oh, oh food. food's here. Food's here. Let's get, you guys Should recording. I narrate this? You just go, okay. I'm yeah. I'm just going to narrate what's happening. We want to get the delivery person in for a little. Oh, yeah. Should we interview the delivery guy? Just no, they don't. They don't want that. It's, it it's would very, be great if they did. Though. It's degrading. It's condescending. Is it? It's horrible. Yeah. Does it come across? Like I, that? You know how many fucking apartments this person has probably gone to where they're recording a podcast <laughs> when they get to the door? Too many. Also, yeah. by the time that they get up to my apartment, they yeah. hate me so fucking oh, much. Yeah, they look at me too. like they want to fucking kill me. Like you must tip an extra dollar for every flight, right? Also, Is that could that's wrong. I tip as little as possible. <laughs> You're a scumbag. scumbag. Also, yeah. Kelly, you're lucky you found us on the street because that fucking buzzer situation is horrible. He's got three doors you got to get through. There's the gate on the street. You got to buzz through that. And then there's the second door on the top of the landing. Buzz through that. And if the first two doors aren't closed and locked, the electronics don't know to keep buzzing. You have to buzz a second time. And yeah, you have to buzz a second time. And if, if the the something behind you is not closed, he can't buzz you in. So it's it's a goddamn uh, Indiana Jones. It's so convoluted, I don't even understand it, and you no. just told it to me. Your food is definitely getting spit in right now as this guy's walking up <laughs> five flights of stairs. He's just wiping his forehead with the napkins and yeah. then putting them like back yeah. into the... Uh, delicious. Yeah. And I'm definitely wiping my face with some napkins. Oh, you got to do it. You got to do it. Well, you must be figuring out lots of weird ways to deal with personal hygiene. Yeah. Baby wipes. Oh, yeah. A lot of baby wipes. You got to have the baby wipes. Absolutely. Uh, gym membership is another one. And I, just, I, to, just to set up the audience, oh, yeah, Kelly's been living in a van for over a year now. 
Uh, I don't think it's quite been. What are we? August now. Yeah. So I bought the van in uh, September of last year. So yeah, coming up on a wow. Yeah, it's a big anniversary. She's a big one. We're gonna take her out. You know, yeah. treat her special. That's good. Yeah, for a little. What's night. the van's name? Sparrow. Sparrow. Yes. All right. I don't want to get into the nitty gritty too much because I want Tristan's help interviewing you on this topic. But okay. I just want to continue telling the audience what's happening here. It's it's Monday night at eleven o'clock in the evening. I went to see. No, it's ten thirty. I went to see Tristan perform at Caroline's. He, he don't killed. Let, don't let anybody perform there now. Won't yeah. they? <laughs> Monday night. Damn. Monday night. New talent night. It was great. Tristan was great. And now we're doing a Obviously. podcast at damn ten thirty at night, and you two are starving. I had a Caesar salad with grilled chicken at Caroline's. You did mm-hmm. at Caroline's. That's what. That's yeah. how he stays such a pretty boy. A lot of soggy lettuce. Yeah, I would imagine. The, how is the Caesar sauce? Thank you. Uh, is that a Thai iced tea? This is a Thai iced tea. I will share with you. I should have got that. Yeah, Why absolutely. Didn't I, get one of those? I fucking offered. Are they caffeinated? Oh yeah. No, I don't want that. I don't want that. I gotta be up. Are early. you that one? Are you that type of person? Caffeine just boom. I I have thing? this job. I'm nervous about tomorrow morning, and and I want to not do things that will potentially keep me up I late. I could drink like a grande latte and then go to sleep immediately. I think I can too. It's just emotionally, I get nervous and I worry a lot mm-hmm. about new jobs emotionally, and waking up I just on time. I get, I, I get uh, anticipation anxiety. Is what yeah. I call it. I get, good... I get really anti-Semitic when I have too much caffeine. <laughs> Anti-Semitism anxiety. Yeah. This is just gonna watch out. This po- this podcast is about to turn real fucking weird, folks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Starting off with Kelly Cry and I are going to share some crispy tofu. Thank can you. I get Thank a shout you, out to way. Cress Hernandez that you guys ordered from Republic Noodle Pro- Shop? Tonight? He probably does not want anybody to know that, which is fine because no one listens to the podcast. <laughs> Do but... you think that's true? Do you think he? he... I, don't I don't think know. comics like talking about their day job. I talk about my day job. I'll talk about my day job. Painting beautiful women's apartments. Uh, well, that's one thing out of the thing that many things because I'm on Task Rabbit. Oh, is that where you met this person? Yeah, I met them through Task Rabbit. Interesting. Yeah, and then I went and painted the apartment, and then to I uh, I went back a couple times because it's such a big job to do it, and then uh, she last night she went out and she's like, "You should come," and I was like, "Well, I got to paint." She digs you. Yeah, and then she. She texts me halfway through the night. She's like, "I'm looking for. I'm tempted to come back there and like hang out with you." He's nice. like, I, "I have a, I have a really big job for you to do." <laughs> She's like, "I'm gonna need a second coat <laughs> in, in your white paint." Yeah, it's gonna. I wish I had a really good kind of getting in a tight, sweaty area. Yeah, a lot of nooks, a lot of crannies. <laughs> Don't have to tape it off though. It's gonna be the first time you've ever worked for TaskRabbit and your jaw sore after. Mm. We're we're gonna need a drop cloth, Kelly. Did you bring your drop cloth, Kelly? You guys are coming up with great ones. I have nothing. That's okay. Just eat your what? Wait, what is yeah. that? You can just use the lid. There we go. What? This, is, uh, this is a crispy tofu. You want one, Patrick? No. What? You don't like tofu? I guess I like tofu. I'll try. Uh, you one. don't. You don't like tofu. You're, you're responsible. I like weak. tofu like, in oh, uh, in miso soup. Those little cubes, tofu cubes. Mm-hmm. Let me try one of these. I'll take this. This is great. One. If you eat enough soy, you'll get boobs. Oh, yeah, because the estrogen. Mm-hmm. All right, bottoms up. I think you have to bum, eat bum, like bum, a bum. significant amount of soy for that to happen, though. How many? How many of these guys? Yeah. 200? I think you'd have to eat them like for every meal, like every day for like a month. And then and you'd then, start yeah, maybe feeling. You, maybe you start seeing some tittage happen. It's spongy. Spongy. Then you'd be a couple extra minutes in the mirror in the morning. You guys Wonderful. know Khalid Rahman? Yes. Very funny comedian. Mm-hmm. 
takes a very strong stance on social media about comedian podcasts where people eat on the mic. Really? And oh, I yeah, agree with is, him wholeheartedly. But this is an extenuating circumstance. You guys are running around doing comedy all night. Kelly, while you were... While Trista was at Caroline's, you were doing a, a mic at Karma Lounge. Mm-hmm. We're we're busy people. We're fucking no, hungry. This is, this is totally unprofessional, but um, you know I'm, I'm fine with that because I'm not a professional person. I'm not hearing a lot of mouth sounds out of you too, which is good. Okay, well if if somebody's got a problem with it, um, go fuck yourself. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the take I'm I'm, I'm putting out. Oh my god. Okay. Speaking of food, Tristan, we got to talk about Kelly living in a van. Yeah, we do, because uh, it's very interesting. And honestly, this is the funny thing about comedy. When when you have somebody that's like, ah, yep, I'm living in a van, or I just quit my job and I don't have any money and I'm just going to do comedy, I'm always like, oh, man, that you, sounds so amazing. You envy them. <laughs> yeah, and then, you, be, get, you, know, then you get in the van, you're like, what have I done? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, start us from the beginning. So last side of you. Last September, you you put together this tour. I did. Um, which okay. I actually kicks. I I uh, I was one of the Kickstarter Kickstarter sponsors. Kickstarter contributor. How much did you give? Eighty dollars. Uh, I gave him a hundred dollars. Hundred was it? Hundred. Yeah. Hundred. I'm sorry. Nice. I didn't mean to I don't think I, I don't think I gave. I, was, I don't think uh, I gave. No, I was. I'm very excited <laughs> for these guys. I actually have the T-shirt and I have the limited edition white T-shirt. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah. So there, there's the limited edition shirt. What do you have? What do you have, Patrick? I didn't get what, anything. What t-shirt do you have? A reason Patrick? you didn't get I, I didn't anything, get bro. one. Yeah, I got a, a Hawaiian, Hawaiian Tropic t-shirt. I, right here's now. the deal. <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah, I'm in a vacation shirt. All right, get off my back. Uh, <laughs> no matter how you justify this, I got a great story of somebody who's just far, far worse. Really? Yeah. Oh, so honestly, uh, I think for me. Uh, I think I'm a hater. I think I'm a hater. Okay. And I think is that what happened when you no, saw when you saw the thing happen? That is like, a bunch that. of horse shit right there. Yeah. Not with you guys. Not with you guys. Just uh, a, but there are some Kickstarter things that come across my my social media platforms mm-hmm. where I'm like, I'm I'm not not contributing. What's the What's the worst one? What's the one that really irked your your feelings? I don't want to say specifics, but oh, okay. Uh, you know what? It, oh, because you know the people, right? Yeah, and I. I I, I have a strong backbone, so if you really want to say it, I'm not gonna. No. Also, with you guys, I think I felt like you know what they're gonna be okay. They're gonna, they'll they'll make it happen. Thank you. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, uh, that's true. Oh yeah, because you guys, you guys didn't. Uh, your Kickstarter didn't make it. Didn't make it. And then I funded you guys on Indiegogo. Fucking rights. Right here, buddy. Staying, staying, staying on point. Because no. a lot of people didn't come back. Actually, was, was are we thing. sure that I didn't contribute? <laughs> Because now I'm trying to think. Maybe I did pitch in. I, you know, I just maybe um, I pitched in on the Kickstarter and I was relieved that it didn't go through. <laughs> you, you, and a few other people. Absolutely. We we had one donor who donated twenty five hundred dollars. Holy then, shit! Yeah, and it didn't go through, and then it they didn't recontribute. That was that was the oh. hardest thing. Was, was the twenty five hundred dollars like a night with each of you? Was that like? Yeah. yeah. And then, and then a big cuddle with Napoleon. Yeah, you get to you get to do that thing. You know, there's like a genre of porn where huge black women just sit on your face mm. you get that from napoleon yes absolutely i would pay twenty five hundred dollars for that <laughs> he's the best there there are people out there that would definitely pay 20 we just couldn't find them right that was our only oh, problem. ma'am i have a friend who will remain nameless 
that had a site which will remain nameless where the sole sole subject was him getting his, sit on like his girlfriend sitting on his face and they made all these videos of this and then they the, the, the name of the website is so awesome but I can't say it. Why can't you say <laughs> it? Do we know it them? now? Why'd you say it was awesome? Leave that part out, dude. Because I it just it's Ugh. it's great. Ugh. It's it's so funny, and I can't. Do they? The do thing you, is, it doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. But just in case, like if I let it out, he would murder me slowly. Uh, did did they? But they put it on the internet, so they want people to go to it. Right, right. But you but know, they want strangers to go to it. Yeah, to strangers to go to it and pay. And they, they were actually making a little bit of a living just selling sex videos. You know? Something to think about, Kelly. She call it uh, Kelly's van. Dude, I've thought, Ooh, the I've crying th- van. I've thought about it every single day. Don't no, here, here, I want to come clean. There's about- already the bang bus. So, you know, the, the van, I don't know, vagina van. I don't know how you do it. But it's not, I'm more interested in being a comedian than a porn star at this point. Yeah. Can I come clean about about the Kickstarter? You're the, the I've been asking the, you to the open mic tour. Bring it on. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be diplomatic about it. Why? Uh, but the truth uh, is that I don't. Is that that doesn't make for a good podcast. Well, the truth here's here's the answer. Uh, I, there's very few things because there's been a lot of comedy things that come around on Kickstarter from lots of people in the community, and there's very few that I've given money to. One I can remember is uh, John Laster's house burned down, and I gave him some money. But when it comes to like project type stuff, my uh, my thing is like if you want to do something bad enough, you, you fucking do it, and like you don't you don't ask people for money. Mm-hmm. That's my sh- bullshit. Uh, that is uh, is pr- some weird ingrained pride thing. Uh, there's that mixed with pr- probably envy and jealousy. Like I I I think it's so fucking cool that you guys did that, and and. And what Tristan well, don't said. Don't get me wrong. I was envious as shit, but but I mean, I was just like, oh man, that's so awesome. I I wish I want to do that, but at the same time, it's like I'm not. So I want to kind of support these guys because I mean, you know, here's the thing, Patrick's. You're really good at being friends with a lot of different people and having like really meaningful interactions with a lot of different people. And you remember who people are and you remember about them and you can talk to them in a way that really like connects with them. Right. And you've got like a real gift that way. And it's free and it's free. But for me, um, there's certain people that I really like and other people that are just fine. And it was like you and Melissa Diaz and Josh Darsky. And I love all you guys. And it was like, so envious of what you guys are doing, but I, at the same time, I was like, man, I, I just was imagining you guys on the road, and I was like, oh, that's so awesome, you know. Like I, I just and and if I can do it, I'll do it. If I'm fucking broke as shit, then, then you, you know, can. I won't, but yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, you know, I, there, I had literally, I had one person who I had contacted, who then uh, shortly thereafter had posted on uh, their Facebook page. If you're asking me to contribute to any of your uh, community funding or any of this, and you're not community funding for teachers, or she listed off a few other things that were, in her mind, important, and she's like, then don't fucking send me any more of these things. So... You know, some people, they're just like, and my boss was the same way. At, at, uh, I was working at uh, Pies and Thighs, and her and I, we get along really, really great. And I was like, well, why don't you contribute? She's like, if you're going to do this thing, you're going to do it. Yeah. 
So you do it and then you tell me how it was. Yeah. But like she's like, I own a business. I had to come up with my own money. I had to, you know. Yeah. And, and do you have hard feelings toward her? I feel like she's a little harsh. You know, she's got a successful business. She could throw me 20 bucks. <laughs> I, so I just asked you that question because I want to feel absolved from guilt. Uh, and the truth is I should have chipped in. I should have chipped in 20 bucks. I could have. And I didn't. And I'm sorry about that. I feel like that's that approach, you, though, that's fine. of like it was hard for me, so it should be hard for you. That is like a real problem, I think, with comedy in general. Um, that's a good point. Because a lot of people approach that of like, oh, man, I had to work so hard. It was so hard for me in comedy. I'm not giving you any hands. You know, yeah. like you got to figure it out and, and suffer the same way I did. And it's like I'm not saying people shouldn't work to get where they are, but I'm like, why can't we help each other out? Like yeah. well, it's just going to, you know. A good metaphor I heard recently was, um, you know, the elevator took me to the top. All uh, Like I can send it back down for the next guy, which doesn't mean going down to like pick them up and walk them up the stairs. It's just like you can you can send the elevator back down for your buddy. You know, just mm-hmm. hit that button and that just the, the action of hitting that little button is can be as simple as like introducing you to somebody or whatever, or like inviting you to come hang out at a certain club at a certain time and whatever. Uh, My feeling is even more like. So to, to use that analogy, though, in this case would be like that somehow I'm at a level where I'm better off than these guys and I'm helping them out in that way. I feel like. Even the the even harder thing to do is when you're actually sending somebody up in an elevator and you're on the bottom floor. Yeah, mm, you know. Yeah. But you want to see. But it's like, yes, you want to see. You want to get up there. Yeah. But you also want to see your friends get up there too. Yeah. And it's it's not it's not a competition. It's not like either you or either you win or I win or you fail or I fail. It's like we all win together. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's something that I really noticed traveling is that. At the top where that elevator ends, there's enough room for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I think some people lose sight of. They're like, there's only room for me up there, so I need to yeah. get up there. I need yeah. I need to be there as quickly as possible and move everybody else aside. But everybody, if, if you're really dedicated to this thing, you're, you're going to be doing it for a very long time, and you're going to get there. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the travel because um, I'm interested in the, the road stories. I mean, you got to have – I know you told me one story about like the worst – set you had i thought that was pretty interesting but i mean i i imagine you got a, a variety of like different road stories i think it would well yeah for, from the tour itself um the the open mic tour when it was uh the five of us in, in the van well seven total with yeah. the camera person and all that stuff i'm just gonna jump in to give some context so okay. the open mic tour was 11 months ago you, the five of you uh went on the road and did shows for like a month or something and then kelly kept the van I'm talking to you like you're not there, here. There but was, there was, is, I'm going to interrupt and, sure. uh, so we can combine this. Yeah. In the, but it, in prelude to that, what we did is we did the uh, the crowdfunding. Right. And we put up a Kickstarter. And then what we were doing is we were, as perks, we were putting shows up oh, in, right. in different places. So we did one in a restaurant, one on a rooftop, one on the Williamsburg Bridge. And uh, people who oh, yeah, donated. Yeah, the bridge one was really interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I would like to get back to doing more of those around New York. Uh, I think they're really fascinating and yeah. an, an interesting way to bring comedy to a public space where people normally wouldn't experience it. Yeah. It's like a pop-up comedy show? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like gorilla style. It, totally. DIY, style. punk rock. Mm. And I like that feel and that idea, you know, back in the days of punk rock in New York, you know, like that's a, yeah. it's a great thing. So, uh, so then we did the crowdfunding and then through that, 
you know, we had donations and whatnot, and then we went on the road. I, I went to San Francisco first. I bought the van, and then uh, everybody joined me there, and then we drove back doing the same thing. Right. We, we did shows in as many places as we possibly could. So, you know, we did one in the streets of New Orleans. We did one in uh, the middle of the wharf in San Francisco. We uh, we did some in clubs, some in bars, some just wherever we could. Yeah. How, do, how did you di- disperse the money? Like, what did it go towards? Um, the... Money went to everything. Uh, Let's see some receipts. Let's see some <laughs> spreadsheets, receipts. I want to hear numbers. Well, to be honest with no, you, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> this, <clears throat> excuse me. These are the numbers of the entire thing. Like the reason we did the Kickstarter for twenty thousand is because that's what we needed, but we never got it. So then we we did the Indiegogo after that. It was only uh, well, only, but it was sixty five hundred is what we got. So we took that and did what we could, but. I then poured in the other thirteen thousand to make yeah. it work. Yeah, from what? Just from savings, or uh, I got bought out of my apartment in Williamsburg, so uh, I took that money that I had, got the van, and then uh, put the thirteen grand into the tour. And even like people are like, oh, that's all that money, but like I had to pay capital gains tax on that money and whatnot. And now I'm now in debt, like thirteen grand to the government. So. Yeah, like people don't understand. For something of the scale that you did, uh, money runs out quick. Quick. Gas alone, you know, every day, especially as you're driving across country, um, it's like every day you're putting $50 into a tank of gas or whatever. So you think over three weeks, oh, there's a thousand bucks. So, yeah. And then, uh, also the hotels, we, we got one hotel room and then people would share, uh, or two people would share a bed because there'd be two beds in each one and yeah. then people would sleep in the van as well. And then oh. we tried to make that work. Everybody has to eat. So that's another thing, oh. you know? So, uh, you just try and make all, all that stuff work. Paying for a lot of gas for the van and then there's a lot of gas inside the van. <laughs> there must have been so much farting. What did poor Melissa do? She was like the only lady on the tour. Two ladies. There's two ladies. Oh, who was uh, the other one? Michelle Kirby was the, oh, the other videographer, one. right? Uh, she was actually, oh, and then Hila, sorry, three ladies. Uh, Hila, uh, did the video and was performing and, uh, Kirby did our social media. Oh, cool. But they weren't on the, they weren't like, I don't believe that they were like presented in the. the Hila was not presented, campaigns. yeah, as as a performer because what had happened? We had Dale, uh, Thomas Krupla, who was actually doing the video initially, and then he unfortunately couldn't go on the tour, right? And then when he uh, couldn't do that last minute, you know, I kind of scrambled to find somebody to do video, and then Hila uh, popped up into my life, and she was like, "Yeah, I'll do video, but I also want to perform." Um, which in hindsight, looking back on it, I probably wouldn't have done that again, but it was just the option that I had. So wait, you weren't like, hey, guys, if you could uh, drop me a grand or two, that'd be real nice. To who? Like the you're, like everybody that went on the tour since you had to cover up the... the no, no, I, I, I covered everything. This was like your passion project? It still is. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in the process right now of post-production. We're, we're doing the editing <laughs> to make it into a feature film. And nice. And then from that, hopefully we can get it into festivals or at least, you know, a couple screenings and just kind of see where it goes. But this is something that I find is fascinating because you're like you're saying, there's tons of comedy docs out there. Tons. Yeah. But <laughs> Tristan's adjusting his mic. Maybe you'll edit that out. Maybe this will be a good practice thing can you hear that you hear to get that it to the squeak. editing. Oh, I hear every movement you're making. <laughs> it's my quality gear, guys. It, Patrick's grinding his teeth. 
Oh, no. No, it's fine. I, you know what it is about this podcast I, and that I'm psyched about? And I don't know if this is true for you and you, and the tour. Maybe this all ties in in a bigger theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm such a perfectionist about stuff. And this podcast, the material I'm working on now, the way I'm working through comedy in general and creating is uh, just getting comfortable with the imperfections and living in the imperfections. So I don't like, fucking what I care. Love, yeah. What I love about this podcast is how right. fucked up it is. You yeah. know, it's just such a car wreck. It's sort of janky. And, uh, you know, there, there's Kelly. He's adjusting his mic now. <laughs> you know, just the imperf- it's the beautiful imperfections. Yeah. All right. So the, I I feel like the magic of your story starts, <laughs> Kelly. How's that? Is this yeah, good? it's good. <laughs> I uh, I think the magic of of your story starts when uh, when the open mic tour ends and and then you I, I remember you came back to New York and you're like yeah I'm going back out and you were like uh, I forget how you said it but I remember thinking like he's a fucking lone wolf and he's gonna just go out there and like go perform wherever he can in this van and live my dream like i have this like yeah i do want to know what's do it fuck you guys seriously (laughs) fuck you guys do it go do it get rid of all all your shit anthony robbins is here guys (laughs) (laughs) i do want to know what the difference was between doing it with a group of people and kind of doing it by yourself well doing it by yourself is way better (laughs) really why yeah absolutely you don't have to worry about anybody yeah it's only you yeah was there babysitting involved in the first phase that's all i did because you're like you appear to be one of these like cool like surfer oh, bros. Oh, I'm not. But I bet you. Uh, I bet you. You. So you were you, when it comes like, to the, the job getting done. I become a total A type personality. Yeah. You know. Like, so you were Ringo Starr during the open my comedy tour. Now you get to be John Lennon. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Did you yell at anyone yes. on the tour? Uh, did I yell at anybody? Uh, no, but I almost canceled the tour like four times. Did you lose friendships? Um. No, I don't. I don't feel like I've lost friendships. I've I've seen Darsky since I've been back. I've seen Diaz since I've been back. I've seen Hila since I've been back, and Dale. And uh, I think going through those tougher experiences with people and going through them kind of gives you a even deeper connection. Yeah. And we're all comics. We all know at the end of the day that it's all kind of meaningless. Yeah, yeah, so, like, and you know what? You did live a traumatic experience, uh, all of you together, because you spent almost a month in a van with Josh Darsky. <laughs> that could not have been. Uh, <laughs> Josh was quiet, man. Josh, J- Josh was going through some life-altering stuff. I mean, they're all spirits. I mean, Hila is a fucking spirit. I've never met anyone like her. Mm-hmm. Same with Darsky. Napoleon's Absolutely. great. I don't know what it would be like to spend a lot of time with him or Melissa in a van. Uh, Melissa's great. Yeah, uh, a lot of drugs. Were there drugs? There, there were drugs. Nice. Uh, there's, we have great footage of Diaz uh, eating her first edible in San Francisco. Oh shit! And then not being able to like really do the show, but she uh, did it anyway. Oh god! And it's just, it's amazing. Oh, I can't even imagine how close her eyes were during that. <laughs> oh. oh man, they were real close. I think her first words. Uh, out of her mouth as she grabbed the mic, we're like, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a fucking square because I I love Melissa, but I'm like, come on, Melissa, don't perform high. We don't perform. We don't perform under the influence as comedians. But, uh, lots but of people so do. many do. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. In San Francisco, like, that's just how it is. Like, yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's, um, 
you know, work-wise, I think that to perform under the – you're doing yourself a disservice uh, performing under the influence. If you want to do your set and get fucked up after, I'd say that's probably the way to go. But, but I will say there has been a couple of shows that I've done after drinking, you know, my fair share of whiskeys. And I had a lot of fun up there, and I made a lot of people laugh, and it was a really fun show. You masturbated in front of them. Um, yeah, I just stripped my clothes off and masturbated, and people were just ha- – they were just yeah. rolling in the aisles. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing actually, the old – Tristan's highbrow humor actually, show. <laughs> I did a show – I did a show at Eastville, one of Santi Espinosa's shows um, when he was doing the shows there. Yeah. And I, um, I was – I had had quite a few drinks. It was it – was, I think it was like – I forget what season it was, but – Anyways, I was doing some – I have this bit about like April Fool's. So it must have been like – it must have been like April. And uh, <laughs> I love that bit. I don't know. What, yeah. And so I brought a guy up on stage and I like pretended he was my son and I did the whole bit to him. That's funny. And I was even like touching his face and stuff and it was so funny. It was so funny. But I would never have done that. Well, have you revisited that version of it sober? Um, yes. Yeah. It's still good. I mean it still does well. No, mm. I'm saying with bringing a person on stage. Oh no, because that, like, that's, that's the only time that's I've very ever done funny. That. Yeah, because I know that joke, and it, 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 I think that would be fun to do that. I, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I my philosophy on this is that I've seen a lot of sober people bomb. Yeah, so I don't know. I think it's up to you as yeah. a performer. What are you comfortable with? I don't like. I can't smoke weed and get on stage because my mind is just stupid. Yeah. Like I forget all my jokes, my timing's way off, yeah. and then I just start drifting, and it's not – I'm doing a disservice not only to the art form but to everybody that's yeah. in the room, you yeah. know? So I know I can't do that. But somebody else might smoke weed and they're just like f- 10 times funnier than they normally are. Yeah. And if that's the case well, for you – this is kind of what I mean though because it's like I do mics and I'm hosting a mic and then I'll have someone and they're clearly just smash out of there. I mean – Either it's just very obvious or it's obvious and then they're like announced to everybody, oh, I'm so drunk, I'm so high. Yeah. And I know that they're not getting anything out of this. They're not their their material's sloppy. It's not they're not they're not learning anything. They're not growing. And at the same time, we all have to sit through it and just mm. be like, Your shit's sloppy. Yeah. It's you know, it's like you know, so it's it's not really it's not really good for anybody. Yeah, that, that's that's the only reason why I say that. But then know? Todd Glass, I recently was at a party that he was at and that fucking guy smokes weed all day. Uh, he probably performs on it. And I, oh. I, he was the funniest fucking person at this party. Like, I was in stitches just like bullshit with this guy. He was hysterical. That fucking kills me. Like, do you know the, who's the young, the, the youngest guy on SNL right now? Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. I saw him at the cellar. Yeah. And I think he went on, like, I think Louis C.K. went on after him. But he, like, he got up there. He was so high. It was so obvious how high he was, and he crushed the room. Yeah, and 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 the dude's like in his early twenties. He's like twenty two. Oh man, yeah. that like that that shit made me mad because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this guy is killing it. He's so young and he's so fucked up right now. And yeah. it's like no, it's nothing for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he's doing all the things he shouldn't be doing, and he's and he's, he's just rocking and rolling. He's so you know he's. That's the beautiful anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. Life. So it is square of me to think nobody should perform high. Yeah. No, but I understand that sentiment. You know what I mean? Uh. So so let's talk about Kelly. What what were what what was the moment of glory out on the road with the with the whole crew or by yourself? What's like when you when you're 80 and you're looking back? What's going to be like the mental image you have? 
there's there was lots of really high moments, you know, especially when you're performing every night. Like there's there's nights that things aren't hitting as hard, but there's nights where it's just like, oh my god, like uh, we did a show at Black Horse with Brandon Stokes, who's a really great guy out in San Francisco, and. It was just amazing. The The bar was, it's not a big bar. It's very tiny, but it's full of people. There's people outside. We, I, th- I think it was our first night or second night of performing together. And it was just, you know, everybody went in and did like seven to 10 minutes in the room. And then at the end, uh, Hila closed out the show by singing because she does like rap and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Comedy rap. And, uh, she, she sang a song and literally like, it was just like the whole bar is like, just like, oh, encore, oh, you know? <laughs> and it was just this great, Amazing feeling. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think of other shows, other things that uh, they're escaping my mind. Do you it's want to talk about the, uh, the one the one experience where it almost got like physical altercation? Yeah, that's my next question. Like what was the, what well, that was the was, lowest that, of the lows? That, that was me on my own, uh, not, not rolling with the other guys. Uh, the lowest of the low is also in San Francisco. I said that we did a show down by the wharf. We went down to the wharf and there's a, like where the, the train cars come down is where everybody stands, right? So we wanted to do a set right there, but there's this uh, older guy playing guitar and he's like, yeah, maybe, maybe another time. And we didn't have time. We had to like do the set and then leave. Uh, so then we just walked like 50 yards away from there, but there was nobody. So we basically did like this entire show for like, three people that stood 25 to 50 feet away from us yeah so you know there's those moments um for non-comics listening uh luckily we prepare for these moments by performing last at open mics uh (laughs) or at open mics in new york in general yeah um uh i'm trying to wait what is this altercation that almost happened well i almost got beat up in phoenix uh it was really strange Cause I just went up and it's kind of, okay. So the bar had two rooms, right? So one room had the show in it and then the other side was just the bar. So the show starts and suddenly the people in the other, in in the bar part are all singing to the jukebox. It's not a karaoke uh, night. They're just singing to the jukebox. Drowning out the show. Yeah. At the top of their lungs, you know? So, uh, the host, he's going over there and asking them to be quiet. They won't, they don't care. They're having fun. There's not a door that closes between rooms. No, there's a curtain. and, and yeah, I hate thing. rooms like that. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But and that's why we do mics and shows at the Grizzly Pear. For, <laughs> to prepare for these rooms. Or, or Pioneer Bar. Oh, God. Yeah. I've never done anything there, but that's just open, isn't it's it? It's just so open. It's yeah. just like they have this stage and it's, it's right next to the bar and there's no... They can't do stand-up there anymore. It just they bleeds into each other. They can't do it there? No, I guess the cops came or something like a year ago now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, whoa! Interesting. What? There's a development in New York City comedy. <laughs> oh. So you're doing this room. Oh, right. So, um, uh, the host gets up on stage. He kind of like makes fun of them to everybody and gets everybody back on board. The, the, the couple of comics that are perform, uh, you know, they're kind of bombing, doing mediocre, okay. Type sets. Couple guys do really well, and then. Uh, it's my turn to go up. But before I went up, I went over to the bar to grab a drink. And while I was over there, one of the ladies bought this guy beside me a shot. And the guy beside me was like this biker looking, heavy set dude, big beard, uh, uh, tattoos, the whole thing. Beefy. Beefy. Yeah. yeah. Like a Slim Jim. Yeah. 
And she looks, he looks at the bartender because the shot comes to him. He looks at the bartender and he's like, who bought this for me? And she points over to this like 60 year old woman. And then the 60 year old woman, nobody on the podcast is going to be able to see this, but she just kind of goes like this. Like she gives a little twinkle with her fingers mm. and a little smirk on the face. I'm like, mm. a little, little quarter jazz hands. Yeah. A visual flirtation. Yeah. And this biker guy's probably in his mid thirties. And then he yells over to her as she's like giving a little twinkle wave. He's like, I'll dust that off. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> so I was standing there and I just laughed. And then, you know, I went back into the other room and then it was my turn to go up and they were being loud or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to go grab that lady who was buying shots for these people. So I went into the other, to the bar. She's standing there. I, I, I put my hand out. She grabs my hand. I'm like, come with me. She's like, okay. She comes with me. Into you're the, on the mic already? No. Or this well, is be, right well, before yeah, you're I, set? I went on to stay, onto the stage. I was like, everybody wait one minute. I'll be right back. Oh, funny. So then I walked off the stage and then went and, and got her. And then she came in. And I was like, what's your name? She said, Cece. So Cece came That's up. That's a Phoenix said, name. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. Yeah? Yeah. I think of like, when I think of Phoenix, I think of like sexy housewives. Uh, you know, you got like your BBs or your CC or your, your Dotties. <laughs> Dottie. All right, she so CC's on stage with you. on stage. I introduced her to everybody. Mm. Everybody's like, yeah. And I was like, they're kind of bullshitting you. They all hate you right now a little bit, CC. I'm going to be honest with you. Because you guys are fucking singing at the top of your lungs, interrupting the show. But it's fine. They, uh, In all honesty, it's fine. People, they don't hate you that much or whatever. Was she a good sport about it at first? Great sport. Excellent sport. Dude with the beard walks in. The biker. Beefy. Beefy, dude. Slim Jim. He walks in. He was like, I was about to dust that off. <laughs> <laughs> he yells something to me. I can't remember what it was. Uh, I have it on tape, but uh, I can't remember it. And then I was like, just come up here. Come up here. We'll have a conversation. Come on up. We'll, we'll chit-chat. And he's like, no, no, I'm not doing it. And then he's like, nice, nice tight jeans. He it's, called you the F word, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He, I, I don't mind saying it. Maybe he's like, "Nice tight jeans, faggot. Nice tight fucking jeans." How did he say it, Tristan? What? How would you deliver that line as beefy uh, mixed slim Jim? I think I, I think he's done it. I think he's done it. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay if he says it, but because <laughs> I'm, that's, I'm that's just his reiterating life experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you were doing the voice before, and I, I felt know. like we had a 3D character going on. <laughs> mm. Would it, would it try and? Wedge them in there, eh? <laughs> I mean, this is a very politically correct podcast. I suppose we should not say it more than we need to. So he calls you out. He does. And, and you don't back down. I've seen you in these situations. I don't. And I'm, you, I'm you very probably, confrontational. Yeah. I am. I'm very confrontational when it comes to this stuff. Uh, so he, uh, he said that to me. Uh, um, nice tight jeans, faggot. Oh, and then he added, can't even see an outline. Oh. <laughs> can't even see an outline. How am I supposed to dust that off? I can't even see it. <laughs> So for me, I I just hey, where's, where's your beefy cock and balls, man? <laughs> yeah, I love that. I need the something homophobe. to think about. The homophobe's like, but I can't even see your dick. <laughs> so that's what I said to him. I said, "You want to see my cock, dude? That's the gayest thing out of this whole entire conversation." I, th <laughs> this is like a small town thing, and I experienced. I went to up to upstate with a friend, and we're literally just hanging out in a bar. And this is like it, like next to the town that he grew up in. But we come in, and there's a bunch of like, and it's upstate New York, so. But it's still like in small towns, there's good old boys everywhere, yeah, you know? And yeah. this guy's just like, hey, what you up to, you queers? You know, just calls <laughs> us. And it's like, yeah, because we're 
I, I, I don't know. Like, because we're drinking scotch. I guess we were, we were queer or something. And you wear clothes that fit properly. Yeah. It was like, and it, <laughs> we were just joking about it. Like, he's probably like, what are you doing, queers? You probably want to come over here and kiss me, don't you? <laughs> you just want to hold me so tight and just, just whisper in my ear and tell me everything's going to be all right. Yeah, you bunch of queers. I'm going to go be in the stall right now just waiting for you. Because I know how queer you are. You just want to. I'm going to beat you up by hugging you real hard. I'm going to hug you real hard. I bet you want me you. to suck your dick. I bet you want me to suck your dick, queers. And I, and I will just to show you what a bunch of queers you are. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Every, every every situation that I've been in that's been like that has been that way. It's like, dude, you're just like the the police officer thing in St. Louis. Same thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, where he's just, like, I gotta write that story out. Mm. Yeah, it's the it's the closeted guys who are the most homophobic. Yeah, and and then that's the thing that they notice. <laughs> the so most, you which guys, kinda I shows the same. Them. The only time I ever almost got in a physical alter- altercation was same thing. Like I I have a joke where. I'm I'm like guys. I'm a psychic medium, and then I'll say like, "Oh, did you want to suck my dick?" Like I'll say that to somebody, but I always do it to a guy because if you do it to a woman, it's right. weird. We talked about this, yeah, right? Yeah. But so this this guy, I did it to this guy, and he was like so upset about it, and he was like, he was like, "I should kick your fucking ass!" Like after the show, like I thought he was because everybody's coming up to me like, "Oh, your set was so good, you're so funny," blah blah blah, and then he comes up, and I thought he was just another one of these people. He's like, "I should kick your fucking ass right now." Actually, he was like, I should kick your fucking ass right now. <laughs> and it's shocking. Like, because like, he, yeah, he was just like, he, he, you know, he was just, because I feel like I touched this nerve on him and and he, you know. But in that like, moment, it's just shocking because everybody's laughing right, and it's and a I'm, good time. You know, it's and just the, jokes. Right. And you don't expect it to come after the show. And then suddenly there's this thing right in your face at, uh, after the show. And you're like, whoa, whoa, what? This, right, yeah. So this guy, like what? He tried to get... After you were done your set, like what he like? He oh, okay. So I'll finish. I'll finish this up. So he he says that, and then I'm like, well, if you really want to see my dick, I'll, I'll pull it out and I'll slap it in your face for you. And then he walked into the other room. So he's gone. It's just me and Cece on and stage the, and again. Did he leave to the sound of the room going? Oh, like were yeah. they on your side? Yeah, absolutely. yeah. That that was probably the most worst thing for him to hear. Like your words were only did so much, but like. The feeling, because I've been on the receiving end of that, it fucking sucks when you know a room full of people hate you, <laughs> or they think you're lame, or whatever. Like that's right. the worst ego when, blow. Right when somebody hits you with an insult and everybody's like, "Oh, yeah, damn. Ugh, the worst." Yeah, and but for me, the way that I justified it in my mind was that he started it with me. Oh no, you you did the right thing, but I'm just saying. Right in so, his in his world, he's like he went in the other room and was like, "What?" The fuck he, he's saying? probably seeing red. Right, right. Yeah. So. uh so then I talked to Cece. I was like, is that the guy that you're going to fuck tonight? <laughs> and she's like, uh-uh. And I was like, oh, really? I saw you buy him a shot. She's like, I'm buying everybody shots. <laughs> and I was like, well, who's it going to be? She's like, I'll never tell. And by this time, like, the whole audience is laughing. <laughs> Good old Cece. She was killing. She was crushing. She nice. was crushing. And, and she was having a lot of fun. And then suddenly there's this big dude on stage with these glasses pulling Cece off stage. Not the same guy. Different dude. Different Slim Jim. Yeah. So then she's getting pulled off, and I was like, uh, uh, okay. And he's like, that's enough. So she she goes off stage. And I'm like, everybody, Cece. Huge round of applause. Huge, massive, right? She goes into the other room. I finish my set. I go into that room just to grab a beer. I have my phone in my hand, and I'm just looking down to stop the recording. Yeah. Right? So I stop. But this is like a very successful set. For, in my eyes, yes. Yeah. Yes, it has been a, a good a good time for everybody in at that point in the night. So I, I walk into the other room. I'm just putting my phone, stopping the recording, going to put the phone, my phone in the pocket. Suddenly, as soon as I coming through the curtain, I just 
feel this force against my left shoulder. And this guy just nails me like as hard as he can against my left shoulder. And, I, and as I'm falling back, I turn and I uh, look at him and it's just this huge Mexican dude. Massive. Like I've never a seen third a third guy. Third guy. Wow. And I've never seen a Mexican dude this this big. It was like the Sasquatch of Mexican guys. Like, he was beefy. Oh. Yeah, it's like, oh, I've heard of that this thing exists, but I've never <laughs> seen it before. So then suddenly, that, and I, as I turn, I grab his arms because I'm falling back. And then he falls with me. And as I'm falling back, all I can see is his mouth going in slow motion going, that's not funny, motherfucker. <laughs> and then we hit the table. The bouncer, oh, I look at him I'm like, what the fuck's going on, man? Uh, we break up. The bouncer gets in between us and then pushes him to one side, uh, me to the other. And then he gets escorted out. And then his girlfriend gets in my face and is like, you're a fucking asshole. You are. The Mexican's girlfriend. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and, and to me saying, like, you're evil. People like you are evil. Oh, God. You know, you ruined her night. I was like, who, Cece? She night? had a great time. That's what I couldn't believe. Yeah. She, and she's like, no, she left. She felt so so hurt by what you did. And I was like, I'd love to apologize to her. She's not here. She's like, no, she left. And you, you people like you are terrible people. You're a horrible oh. person. You you can't even write jokes and be funny. So well, you have you know, to pull her Maybe she was feeling stage. that way because they made her feel so shitty about it. You know, if they're like yeah, dragging her fault. off the stage and like, oh, this guy's, you know, making fun of you or whatever when it's not what your intention was at all. Right. And which it wasn't. That wasn't and the spirit of the thing. It wasn't. Absolutely not. It was not the spirit that I was trying to. But that's what it turned. That's what it was. It's crazy how much dumb people can ruin good, clean fun. You know, mm. dumb people who or feel everything threatened. or the country. Yeah. 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 <laughs> dumb people who feel threatened will will run this country into the ground. Yeah. And and that's then I felt threatened because after it was all said and done, I was like, I have to walk out to my van. Yeah, yeah. I'm in Phoenix. I'm just like, oh Jesus! Christ. I left uh, Lovecraft uh, about a month ago after a show, nervous that there was a person outside waiting for me. Would uh, you do? These two drunk guys uh, were ordering drinks, and I just started making fun of them for being so drunk and so loud while they're ordering drinks during my set. And uh, this guy just was not into me and uh you're like i just kept calling the n-word and like nobody was into it but i <laughs> no stop. But, but he you know it's the lower east side and this guy is from the lower east side and he definitely could kick my ass but i i did the same thing i confronted i i went for it instead of like trying to appease him mm -hmm. and i got in some not cheap shots but i got in some jokes that made everyone laugh at him and then afterward it, it was literally like uh can i leave and like the bouncer was involved and like uh, the bartenders all knew that this thing had happened and that, that they were all sort of concerned for me. Uh, Luis, I think, was his name. Uh, Comedy's dangerous, man. Yeah, yeah and is. I can run my mouth. Like, I, 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 I always say, like, I cannot believe I never got the shit kicked out of me, especially when I was drinking, because I would run my mouth. I loved needling people and, like, trying to get, just say the right thing to cut a person. And uh, that came out of me on stage that night. And, uh, I, I thank God he was probably too drunk to stick around to like, well, yeah, when you, what I don't get is that people lose the fact that it's a show yeah. that there's somebody on stage doing something. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also like, I mean, you get, you get people that are on drugs that are drinking that yeah. are mentally unstable. I mean, it, that, it, it attracts all sorts of people like that. You know, there was I, one guy, sorry, I'm going to interrupt no, go, you. Go there, there was one guy, I was in Vancouver, and it was at uh, an Asian bar. So all these Asian dudes drinking Johnny Walker Black, mm. just going to town on the scotch. And then they were all doing they were all doing blow on the corner of the bar. Like it was like that type of scene, you know? Yeah. 
and there was this one big, big Asian dude. And I, I yelled out at one point. I was like, hey, why don't you guys shut the fuck up while I'm trying to tell jokes on stage? <laughs> How'd that go over? They just looked at me and then they all, like, there was dead silence. Oh, oh you man. alpha mailed the room. You like, you asserted your authority. Yeah. So then it was just, they were qu- like, they're, fr- they're the Yakuza. They're just visiting. <laughs> <laughs> then, then it was silence for the rest of my set. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm out of here, whatever. And then as, as I finish, this guy starts walking up to me. He's like, Hey, hey, yeah. And I was like, oh, here we go. He's like, bro, I just want to say great job, man. Wow, I couldn't believe it. That's awesome. He's like, come on, give me one of these. And he wanted to like, you know, like give the cool cup handling yeah. thing, which is what I thought. So he's like, so I put my hand out to reach. He's like, no, 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 elbows, man. He wanted to do like this. You like, linked elbows. We, and then he just wouldn't leave me alone. And then you square dance for you days like and days. He was fucking with you. He was fucking with you or something like that's great. Let's have a cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, he's just like, yeah, I'm sorry. I was being loud. I thought I was like adding to like this what was going on. This is one of the Asian on. guys? Oh, yeah. They yeah, think, yeah. Like, uh, that's funny when people think they add to it. Yeah. 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 I had like an opposite situation where it was like, it wasn't even the show. Um, th- and, and it wasn't, and it was the opposite of somebody like being loud during it. There was a guy, this was at a mic this Friday, 1030. Um, you stopped by. I stopped the, by, but then I had to run. Okay. Yeah. So there was this guy. Did you see the guy that fell asleep? No. Okay. So this guy, this guy was there. He he stayed awake long enough to watch my set, I think, and then he fell asleep. And at one point, I noticed this, and we kind of tried to wake him up. Could not wake the dude up. Could not wake him up. Um, we we I, I had everybody in the room sing "Rockabye Baby" to him. Um, <laughs> It was That's like a little funny bit of me. Yeah. Did and, and I mean, get mad about that. And I would bring people up and it'd be like, this guy loves it. You know, he, uh, he just had a dream about it. You know, like just passed out. Was this guy thing. performing or no, I don't know what his deal was. Fuck so you, if you pass out in a room at a comedy show, yeah. but that's not where it ends. So sure. like I hosted the first half, then the second half, somebody else hosted it. And then during that period of time, some fucking douchebag comics, like young 20 some year old comics took out a makeup pen and wrote all over this guy, like wrote oh, all over his okay. face and his far. arms oh, and everything God. like that. Too far. Yep. Which is too far. It's messed up. It's like one thing to tease because he fell asleep, you know. I feel like they that's wrote on him. Elite. I think it's that's actually, like assault it is, it is considered assault if you do that. So this guy, we wake him up after the mic and he wakes up and he is livid. I mean, oh, he's, and the thing is, I'm sure he fell asleep because he was either, because he's fucked up in some way. Like you don't sleep that deeply during a loud show. Like, Unless you're, yeah, you know what I mean, right. medicated or very something true. like that. So he, um, he was like furious, and he was like, "This is why Orlando happens," and like shit, like like Jesus oh, okay. Christ, yeah, that's scary, he, yeah, okay, yeah. And he was just far. like, and I'm like, dude, I, I agree that this is messed up. Like nobody should have drawn on you. And he's like, and then he was like, "Well, it's your responsibility. You were hosting," and I'm like, um, "It's my responsibility to host the show. It's not my responsibility to babysit you and other comics. You know, I do my best, but if I don't see it, like I can't. I didn't see it." You know, right. if I had seen it, uh, I would have done something about it, but I didn't see it. I couldn't do anything who, about it. Well, you know, I don't know. Name I, don't, names. I don't know. I don't know. So no, I was going to ask who the other host was because somebody uh, should have stopped a comic. Yeah, from but it, you know, he was him. sitting in a corner, and it was just kind of like we just, you know, and we're we're focused on trying to make the show great. Oh, it wasn't a comic on stage. No. who was being funny and was like, "I'm going to go over here." Now. No, 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 nothing was, like that. It was somebody like while he was sitting in the audience in the corner. Ass. Yeah, and so and it was more than one person. That's the other thing too. It was like two or three people were doing this. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so he's livid. He goes upstairs and he's washing it off. It's coming right off. But he starts screaming. He's like slamming the doors. He calls everybody like faggots and and words. He's and like, pissed. He, yeah, but he and he's like he's like I'm gonna come back here and I'm gonna shoot you all. Whoa, Jesus okay, too far. Like, I'm gonna too fucking far. kill too all far. of you. Too far. Right, like too far. And and this is 
this is like not about the comedy. It's not about anything like that. I had to get up in the guy's face and I'm just like, yo, man, like, uh, you got to go, you know, like you got to go, man. And he just, you know, he screwed. And the best thing is he's like, he's like, you know my name? I'm a, I'm a fucking hardcore rapper, motherfucker. Oh, God. Meanwhile, this guy's like a 20 year old white guy. And he's also like, I thought you were funny. He says this to me. <laughs> I love it when people try to justify how fucked up they're being by like, I thought you were funny. Like, I'm right. going to be like, oh, okay, it's okay that right. you're threatening to kill us all and calling everybody like racial and See me, slurs and stuff me, like that. If he said that, it kind of would delete everything else in my mind. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, be like, oh, you're, oh okay, you're cool, cool guy. Man. Thanks, yeah, bro. Well, just go sleep it off. Um, so the, just to cap off this crazy story, the cops are called. Um, the cops come. They take him out. While they're taking him out, he's like, I have a photographic memory. I'm going to come back and kill you all. He says, with the cops there. So then he has a sob story for the cops. The cops make the venue make him a meal. Because he's like, I'm homeless, and I came in here, and people were drawing all over me, and blah, blah, blah. What? Yeah, right. And this he story, was, just, did they stick around to chaperone him while he ate his they, meal? As soon as he got his meal and he ate his meal, then they left, and they left him in front of the bar. And it's insane. It's insane, dude. That's, That's That was the police work? I, I actually do like the police work up until the point of them leaving. Do you know what's very interesting, too, is the 911 call, so I was like one of the people to call. If one of the first things she asked is, like, is it a black man or a white man? Or Like, she wanted to know his race, like, right off the bat. Well, that's that's. I just I just thought that was interesting that that was like the first question. It's like right. how quickly are we going to get there, and what kind of force are we going to use? Like what? That's interesting. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of in front of that bar, I was just watching the night of in episode four. Uh, Climate Lounge is featured in the background quite a bit. Hello, um, a bar a bar block away from here is featured in um, a Highlander, uh, the Quickening, the old Highlander, the original like, no, whatever the original Highlander was, yeah. I I remember that show. My brother I, liked that this show. This fucking neighborhood looked like a like a like some bombed out. Yeah. Any you know. anything on the west side was was not good. Or, Tristan or, lives on Ninth Avenue and uh, I'm not gonna say um, it doesn't matter. Hang out. Ninth <laughs> Avenue and 181st Street. <laughs> yeah. Uh no, I'm in Chelsea. Yeah. I'm in I'm in which is I rent stabilized guys. Yeah. But I have no equity. I can't sell this and get myself a sweet van. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about some fun facts about Kelly. Kelly is the model, right? Oh, here we go. Kelly's got a (laughs) hot bod. That's why he's getting these sexy I'm ladies. I'm not overly on excited rabbit. about the turn this just took. Can we get back to the cops? Fun fact: He's a handsome man. No, I'm just throwing it out there because I, I, what I like about you, Kelly, is that you've lived a life. Uh, I started comedy later in life. I'm, I'm two and a half years in at the age of 35. Uh, we don't have to talk about your age or anything, but, uh, oh, by the way, if you don't want to talk about this, we can cut it out. We He's didn't 52. Have that. I thought so. you were going to be like, oh, by the way, how old are you? <laughs> no, no, we ha- usually Tristan asks, is there anything you don't want to talk about? And I'm sorry if I brought up something uh, don't you don't want shit. to talk about. I'm all good. Uh, no, I just think it's interesting and we don't even have to talk about it. No, I'm uh, fine with talking about it. I just I like- wanted to make it about you before I keep talking about TV nerd shit. Okay. This is the thing. I just like to poke jokes at stuff. And that's all that is. Well, as soon as people bring up modeling, I'm just like, ah, here we go. You yeah. Know? It's just kind of like a funny, uh, in all honesty, I don't give a shit. What kind of modeling? Was it like uh, clothing wear or runway? Fashion. Yeah. Fashion. fashion. Both runway and print. Yeah. You fucking motherfucker. He made, he probably made so much money. <laughs> not true. And then, not really? true. Not true. The world of modeling is not a money making. Well, you uh, bought, world. you bought an apartment or a share in an apartment, right? Uh, 
Well, what happens? Do you guys want me to break it down? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Okay, so there's a models apartment. Essentially, when you start modeling, what they do is that there's a models apartment in New York. So you come here, you stay in that apartment with like 16 other dudes. Beautiful dudes. Beautiful dudes. Usually. Usually. One one time. Okay, that's besides the point. Uh, I bet they're all like gorgeous guys with like beer farts, like, and, you know. Well, and they also. I have to imagine that in my mind that like. A lot of them are prima donna shitty people, you know. And they're very dumb. Yes. You know, just like. And a lot of them only photograph well. They look weird in person. There's that as well. You're very handsome in person. Uh, Yeah, I don't photograph well. So it's it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, But. You go into that apartment, and then no matter how many people are in that apartment at one time, you pay four hundred dollars. Wow, what is it? Or was it two hundred a week? Eight hundred? Yeah, eight hundred dollars a month. You know, so essentially, the agency is making tons of money off of everybody being there, right? It's like a dormitory. Yeah, yeah. But literally, the one I was in, it was there was a room in the front, and it had uh, the laundry and the kitchen and the TV. Did you have to be there if you wanted to? No, okay. but I, you just get to New York. You don't know any other places, and you have no money. Well, unless you have money, but I had no money. This was my initial dream when I started modeling. I was like, I'm going to New York. I'm going to make ten grand. Then I'm going to travel the world. I was like, that's going to be the thing. I came to New York. I made zero dollars. You didn't like, make any money for modeling? Zero dollars. <throat> for the first three months, I made zero dollars. It was like all the money you were making was going into like the expenses of living. Yeah, anytime I made anything... It would just come out of that like eight hundred for rent, and this is another thing they do. They send packages, so you know they'll send your package now in computer days. It's a bit different, but before they used to send like hard copied packages of cards and whatnot to all of the clients, and then they would charge each model the amount that it was to send it. So, say a package was delivered for ten dollars, they'd charge each model ten dollars for that delivery. Say there's forty models in that package, they just made. 395 bucks or $390. So that's a constant money maker for them. But anyway, that money's always going out and then you're not getting the money coming in. So when you eventually make money, you pay all that money back to the agency first. Mm. And that's then, like those uh, record contracts. Yeah. 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 So then once the money comes in, you don't have any money. Yeah. And then what happens with the mail industry a lot is A, they don't pay fuck all and B, they'll pay you in clothes. Uh, which is something that's becoming really predominant now, but I don't pay rent and clothes, so yeah. I don't know how the fuck that <laughs> shit works. So, hey, landlord, I got your jeans. <laughs> and they wouldn't even be the right size, I'm sure, for, for yeah. most most people out there. So uh, three months. That fat bitch. <laughs> <laughs> In order for me to pay rent this month, landlord, you're going to have to drop a couple of pounds. No. Uh, so uh, I moved to France. And then nice. I lived. In, I lived in France for a while. I did fairly well there. Made a little bit of money in France. But now, what were you doing? The runway print stuff there too. Yeah. Or is it different? All the same. All the same. And then, but there in France, they take sixty six percent of what you make. Uh, so even if you make money, you make no money. Did right. you Did you learn French while you were there? No. Did you I'm have, terrible. Like, I'm from Canada, and uh, I took French in in. Are you uh, from the French part of Canada? No. Okay. But still, it's a bilingual country. I should have my shit together to know French. Yeah, but they don't. They don't speak real French there. That's what a lot of people say. <laughs> no, I just want to piss off people from Quebec that will never hear this. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do have an international audience. Yeah. In my mind. Santi, uh, Santi Espinoza is going to be really upset yeah. when he hears. <laughs> uh, and what about being Canadian? Because you, 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 you have a lot of uh, strong opinions. You're, you're political. You talk about politics a lot. I do. And it uh, upsets a lot of people, especially when they hear that I'm from Canada. They're like, well, why, why yeah. are you talking about American politics? The thing is, like, if I talked about Trudeau 
Harper, you know. Who are those? I don't even know who those yeah, people pe- are. Yeah, people would look at me like I'm an idiot. No, I know Trudeau because my girlfriend wants to bang him. He's sexy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd cuddle with him. Hey, real quick. This I just want to do kind of a side thing here. We've all been involved in improv with improv at some point. Yeah. Uh, you've done improv too? Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting. We, we, uh, we're, uh, we're actually going a little bit over on this midnight nearly midnight edition. That's okay. We're going to edit half um, of this garbage. So yeah, out, let's right? let's we have another 10 minutes. Maybe we can dip into the podcast or into the um, improv thing a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um so Kelly, you you were on a house team for a while at Magnet, right? Yeah, 5 years. Wow. Oh, wow. Nice. Was it Chet Watkins? Was yes. it? Yeah. Which was a great team. They were they were really good really strong team. A lot of so, strong performers on that team. Yep. And actually, it's really funny because when I, this is kind of my own jealousy and weirdness. Like when I see people from improv coming in to do stand up, I'm like, what does this motherfucker want? Yeah. You know, like, what is like, this interloper? Yeah. Doing like when here? I saw, like, so I had been doing, I was hosting and then I saw you start showing up in the scene and I'm like, this motherfucker's already on the house team. Chet Walker, you can go, what the fuck is he doing here? He's not allowed to be here. Yeah. yeah. Go back to your yes and in world. Yeah. Bud. Huh? <laughs> um, which is funny because, because in, um, in a lot of ways, like I actually, Really like the comedy of people that have come from improv. You can tell it as soon as somebody gets oh, on stage. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's much more physical and three dimensional. It's physical, it's three dimensional, and it's it's connected. Um, it's connected. They look at the audience. Yeah, there, there's 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 a lot of different tools that that come from improv that you can utilize in a stand up. You can I, actually improv in in your stand up, which I I do frequently. Like yeah. when I'm hosting, yeah, um, I'm always kind of improvising insults <laughs> <laughs> but i mean so do you want to talk a little bit about your transition through comedy like how you got into it in the first place yeah and absolutely. Then did you know did you start off in improv and then like what kind of made you yeah so what was that whole process i was bartending and a friend of mine uh carl he was like hey you want to take this improv class and i was like yeah sure so what year was this this was 10 years ago oh wow okay yeah i'm a i'm a decade in um, so I said, yeah, sure. And then when we went to the UCB and we took level one with Betsy Stover and, uh, uh, did the class and it was a lot of fun. That was pretty cool. And then I went and saw an ASCAT show. And as soon as I so saw good. Yeah. Once I saw Amy Poehler on stage, I was like, oh my God, this is how good this thing can be. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then. From there, I, I took level two, and he was like, nah, I'm not going to take level two. And then I met a bunch of different people in level two. and we I always st- find level two at UCB to be very tough because I uh, – I mean, <clears throat> actually, I'll take this back. I took it after I'd gone through the whole magnet program, mm-hmm. so I already had kind of like a, a primer, and it was okay. But like the way they taught it, I was like, this feels really rough. And when I talk to people that – that start off their improv career like level twos where a lot of people kind of burn out because mm-hmm. it, it's just they get you real super in your head for that one i don't know if it was like that at the time when you were taking it but yeah because uh, what happens in level two like i had charlie todd as a teacher and he, he's a great teacher and his notes were always like spot on and he moved the class really well and, and taught us really strong foundations but the thing was always the philosophy you know if this then what so then you always found yourself doing a scene thinking in your mind well if this thing then you know what i mean yeah so but so you weren't in the moment you were in the next next moment right or, or trying to figure the next moment out so it was constantly that struggle and it's really tough to do good scene work when you're doing that but i it's all to fulfill that philosophy that they have that's kind of how you have to retrain your brain yeah. If, if you don't already have that natural ability to do that. 
Whereas, so, from what I understand, magnet's all about the emotion and the relationship. I think I think magnet comes from like a more of like a character focus. Yeah. And UCB is like a game focus. I mean, yeah. that's the way I look. I mean, and they're both tools in the toolbox. At all, if you if you see really good improv from either theater or another theater, it's it's all the same. Yeah. It's all yeah. just real good. Mm-hmm. It's just it's kind of at the lower levels where people are still figuring it out. That's different. And I yeah. actually like. I liked the lower level improv coming out of Magnet more than UCB because I felt like there was always, well, if any, no matter what's going on, like, well, I'm going to just try to figure out my character. Right. And at the very worst, it was like a, like a play and not improv, you know? Yeah. But for but an UC- honest, truthful type right. of reality based play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But for UCB, it's like, it would be get, be like, like really early, early on people kind of get real super premisey. Mm. And it's just so painful to watch because it's just one stupid premise after another. And it, or forcing, and nothing, nothing's connecting. Yeah. It feels forcing very forced. situations to fit yeah. the game. It's very uncomfortable to, to watch that kind of improv for me. Yeah. It's conceptual. It's very like somebody's like, I have this idea that I'm going to fulfill in this world and then i think if you like watching the process i could see finding it interesting but uh, you know for me i just uh i'm like i feel i I hurt for those people kind of Mm. you know because you can see them trying to work it so hard but it's just so awkward and but i mean like i said once they get once people get far enough along in either i think it's indistinguishable it is because it's a it's almost an amalgamation of both you're just naturally giving details you're naturally taking that character on and heightening and you're just naturally you're gonna be playing games yeah Yeah. it just happens so what happened with you um moving from ucb to magna and getting on like a mega uh i guess it was a megawatt team yeah yeah Yeah. i well i got to i finished the program at ucb and i tried out for a herald team and i didn't get on and i saw no uh future of that happening as far as like the competition was just too stiff. Uh, yeah, I I wasn't one of those people that hung out. Yeah, yeah. I knew that I wasn't going to be part of that clubhouse. You yeah, know what I mean. And I knew people who were, and that's that was fine. I was like, oh, okay, because I saw people from my class get on teams and stuff like that, and I knew who they knew and who they were hanging around with, and that how that all works. And I was like, okay, well, I don't, I'm not. That's not me. I'm not going to alter who I am to try and fit myself into this place. So I then heard that Armando was opening up this theater and I heard from people that how amazing he was and then I could take classes straight from him. So then I was like, okay, yeah, absolutely. So I took level one all the way through with him and then I uh, auditioned to get on a team and he didn't put me on. So I talked to him about it and I was like, well, what should I do? He's like, well, why don't you consider, you know, going back down and taking some classes over? And I was like, mm, I don't know if I really want to do that. And he's like, well, they're half price, you know, so maybe just think about it. So I was at a crossroad there. I was like, hmm, what am I going to do? And then I just said, I'm going to be dedicated to this. I'm going to I'm going to take his advice. He's a real smart dude and real knowledgeable. He's been doing this for tons of years. I'm going to take his advice. So I went back down, took a couple more classes. I started getting more involved in like big brothering and uh, having independent groups and stuff. Like I went crazy. I was doing improv like two times a night every night, you know, like for this three hour practices and two yeah. hour rehearsals. stuff. I, I was dedicated. I started a Friday uh, or Saturday night show at Gotham city of an independent things where, you know, I had Sean Patton on the show. Like I nice. do a variety show and yeah, and have really awesome comedians who are now really big comics uh, that don't talk to me anymore. But yeah. uh, 
<laughs> but they were really, really awesome and nice to to everybody when they were there, and it was a great thing. And this we, whole time, did you have an inkling in the back of your mind that you wanted to do stand up? Uh, I did. I started doing stand up when I started doing improv, and I was doing them both at the same time. But I was so bad at it, I had to stop. Yeah, you were bad at stand up. Oh, terrible! I was like drive myself crazy. Terrible! It was just crickets, and I had these ideas that were too big and I wasn't perf- have I didn't have the performance chops to make them work in any sort of way so it was literally did you, did you start getting back painful. in it before Chet Watkins disbanded or or when that happened a- after it was way after um but uh how do I wrap all this into a quick thing so whatever I to answer your first question I went and did all that stuff over and then when I auditioned the second time I got on a team and then that became Chet Watkins and it was a really really great team I was really really happy and honored to perform with all those people um, and yeah I mean I've, I saw a number of their shows and they were all always really really good like, yeah really really good connected high energy and and you guys are doing kind of like the kind of improv that we're sorely lacking in the city these days which is um, like like active like not just talking heads like everybody Everybody was constantly moving a lot of object work, a lot of like filling, making the scene and, yeah. uh, and you scene know, nobody, painting. yeah, I mean, I mean, you would almost get tired watching these guys cause you guys are so active. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in a good way, you know what I mean? Like yeah, there just was a like, lot of energy, big personalities like Chris camp, huge energy type personality, almost to the point of like really great absurdism, you know, and always transitioning scenes physically from one thing to another. Christian Palak, who's probably one of the best character actors oh, I, I've, I love him, yeah. I've ever met in my entire life. Janice Schmeeding, same thing. Dave Malbeck, hugely smart and intelligent and just bringing like really great stuff to scenes constantly, you know, and then... I actually got lucky enough because I just did a director series that, that Jana put me on and it was it was definitely like half of those guys were old Chet Watkins people. Mm-hmm. And and I feel pretty solid in my improv, but man, I felt like uh I felt like a supporting character every time we all play. I mean, the shows were fantastic, but I always awesome. felt like I was a supporting character because these guys are just yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, they they just go after it. It's yeah. it's it's awesome to be a part of. So uh that that's that. And then uh sorry, Patrick, you're looking like you have something to say if you want to move this no, along. I'm gonna, gotta... Well, no, I was gonna ask about something re- related to improv, but I wanna finish this. Okay, so then the way that I got into back into stand up is I went up to Canada and I was helping my dad cut firewood. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll take it back into stand up. I'll, I'll take a copy of that calendar. <laughs> and then uh I I tried to get uh, the Cry Boys two two thousand fourteen ca- yeah. calendar, <laughs> du- double axe, double the axe. Nice. Uh, we'll split your wood. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so then I tried doing improv in in Canada, and I contacted the theater there, and they do mostly short form stuff. So they're just like, oh, we'll integrate you and kind of see how things go. So they started me doing improv with like eighteen year olds, fresh out of high school. People who don't really know how to do improv yet. So I, I was like, okay, well, we can try this out. And I did. And then we'll, we'll do a review uh, at the end of it. So I did that. And then we did the review. And we did the review. They're like, yeah, we're going to keep you with the beginners. And, and it was a heartbreak. What, dude. You? you? Like, yeah. I was like, dude, I've been in New York. I've, like, I could teach workshops here. I could be one of your teachers, yeah. essentially. Like I've, I'm on a house team at... Uh, pretty renowned theater. I've studied with this person, this person, and this person. Like it was a bit it was an ego thing. It hit my ego really hard, but it was also like, let's talk about this realistically, like in yeah. a rational way. Like 
I, I could, you could bump so me. So I up. started crying and being like, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just me in a shower, like Ace Ventura after. Uh, so, so then I, I, I quit doing improv. And have, I, you, have you not done it since? No, I have. Yeah. But at that point, I quit. And then in, when I was in Edmonton, when I was in Canada, I I just looked up some stand-up places. And there's this place called The Underdog there. And a guy, Simon Gorsak, uh, runs that show. And I contacted him. He was amazing. He's like, come on through. And I went through. And he introduced me to all the comics. He's like, hey, all the comics yeah. were super friendly. Everybody was awesome. And the room was packed. And then he put me up. And I did decent the first time. And then I kept going back there. And they have a Sunday night show at this place called The Empress, which is an amazing, amazing room. Amazing room. It's probably so the doing- best, best, second best room I've ever done. Third best room I've ever done in North America. And how long was that phase of of doing comedy alone up in Canada? Well, I say alone. You must have had friends, but I picture you. Well, I was living in a teepee at this point. <laughs> you know, it's funny because. I can totally relate to the process that you were going through with this, but like your life is so drastically different. <laughs> like I, I, I always looked at it like I got super hardcore into improv as well, where I was doing it like every night and, and I got to where I was feeling really strong and I auditioned for a house team at magnet like four times. Mm-hmm. And you know, admittedly, like I get kind of weird in an audition scenario. So there was a couple of auditions that were like kind of stinkers, but, and some of the, but they also, they knew me, they knew what I was capable of. Right, and I had a couple of auditions where, like, they were like, "You were fantastic. You were great. We just don't know where you belong on a team." And it was just kind of that th- that thing. And it just after a while, I was like, "They oh, they just don't want me. Yeah. Like they they just don't. I just don't. You know, maybe I just don't fit in with the posse or whatever. Or like I don't fit their aesthetic or like whatever they want." That they, happened to a very good friend of mine. Right, and it, and it was, and very it was like. And and I'd seen it happen to other people, and I was like, "That's not going to happen to me." But it, you know, you you audition a number of times, and they and it's like clear, like this theater doesn't want me. Right. And but that's what pushed me into doing stand up because I was like, well, let me do that. I've always wanted to do that, and then that opened up that door. And now recently, I went back to doing some improv. I took some classes. Uh, Christian Capizzoli own, opened up his own theater, which is fantastic. Yeah, I just Reckless heard this. Theater. I just learned this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and his philosophy is so great because he's taken all the kind of great. He's just such a like a really intelligent person, and he, he he took all of the bits from these other theaters at work, and he said like, this is how I want to make my theater, and mm-hmm. and I you know got involved in that and now I'm on a house team there and uh it's not it doesn't have the same level of uh renown that any of these other theaters do because it's a new theater but right. I feel like it's so cool to get in the ground floor I don't have to worry about all of the um the kind of uh click things and it's just kind of I can go in there and just you know focus on on good work you know yeah absolutely and I think that what one thing transfers to the other what I've noticed lately I I I hopped on a circuit team at Magnet and I'm rehearsing now doing improv again. And it's great because what I'm noticing or learning right now anyway is that you, when you come to the stage, even in standup, you have to bring that same thing that you do in an improv scene. If you don't bring anything, there's not going to be anything there. Yeah. So you got to have that emotion. Yeah. And also live in the base reality of whatever is actually happening in the room at the time. Absolutely. Because like you see comics who go up and, like don't acknowledge the tray that just fell or the person who just said something weird in the crowd or the temperature of the room or whatever. They're not listening. That bugs the hell out of me yeah. when, when, when like stuff happens in a room and the, the, I understand why the, they don't address it, but it's also like, come on, this is happening. Like this how can not you not, a TV tape. Yeah, how can you not s- say something? Yeah. yeah. It's just so, Tristan in the corner. Do something. Well, 
<laughs> well, yeah. Uh, can I give you some notes? Uh, <laughs> which kind of which kind of ties into the point slash question I wanted to make, which is I fucking hate stand-ups who shit talk improv or or yeah. think improv is lame. It's or like, vice versa. It's like, hey, you could probably use an improv class or two. Mm, like, yeah. I I get I get I get why people hate on it. Uh, bad stand-up is really hard to watch. Bad improv. I think is harder to watch, uh, <laughs> but that's just me. But like, God damn, I'm so grateful for the the little experience I do have with improv. Every comedian that I, I'm maybe not every 95 percent of the comedians that I love have all done improv. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Cause, a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Even prior, you know, you think of prior Chappelle, these guys, they've all done improv. Yeah, and it just feed Carlin improviser like you know yes yeah. I, th- I think it just makes for a, a, a way better experience for people i think that's a good note to uh to leave us off tonight no I, we're not leaving we, we're I at could, the I hour could, and 20 minute mark i, know, I could keep yeah. talking but my oh my it's a it's a i'm, just, I'm trying to keep patrick up as late you as guys possible. should keep talking i'm gonna just <laughs> mentally check out actually this could become a theme of the podcast is i leave early and then the two people talk shit about me because that's I, what happened last time i hate that idea what because... did chatfield say about you well i don't know yet anything good i, I, I haven't heard it so oh, i'll man, hear I've, it when it airs i can't do i can't do without my sweet pea over here nice nice how did you can i ask you guys a question how how did you get started with this what happened well so we host a mic together on thursdays and uh people have become sort of into this dynamic we have nice and we're gonna try I'm to in, translate it into a podcast yeah I'm into so it. uh thank you for all of our non-existent listeners yes uh, you yeah. non-existent people very very sweet uh, thank you so much for uh kelly cry for coming out and and giving us just like a little glimpse into your uh, into your life there and uh, yeah. thanks yeah I, I hope that I was able to give something it was great know. I'm uh, gonna we've... give every one of your audience members ten dollars I just want to say that right now okay? <laughs> you'll you'll kick in for their Kickstarter <laughs> I'm gonna kick in to your next cause I promise I'm making a uh, eye contact promise right now cool uh, Kelly cry I love you thanks for your time love you too it's been sweet tea and sweet pea peace. <laughs>